Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There isn't just one way. You know, the championship road has a bunch of different paths you can take. It's just a matter of, you know, choosing that path, staying on that path. But then when a new year comes and you get a new group of kids, it could be a different path. You just got to see what's best for the team as a whole, what's best for the coaching staff. But just being open to those new ideas, I think, has been the biggest thing I've learned from all the different stops I've taken and all the different systems I've been in. We're back again today to talk to another coach about one of the nation's highest performing offenses in 2021 and joining me to talk about what they did university of chicago offensive coordinator kyle derrickson coach it's great to have you here on the podcast i appreciate you having me coach thank you well coach you guys were number five in the nation in 2021 in both scoring and total offense 518 yards per game 48 points per game and uh, offense has been a part of your background we're going to talk a little bit about all the things you guys do on offense and a little bit about your evolution in this game and the different systems you worked in. But for us, let's start at the beginning for you. What was it that spurred you on to become a coach? What drove you this way? You know, it had to be one of my high school coaches. Uh, He was a defensive coordinator at Barrington High School when I was playing. And uh, as I was in college, he kept in my ear and, and kept saying, hey, you need to be a coach. You need to be a coach. You know, now he's the head coach there. and has been the head coach for a long time. But uh, he was definitely the, uh, the mentor that, that was edging me towards coaching my, uh, you know, while I was in college and then has been kind of at my side the whole time ever since. And for you, you've been at, uh, at a number of different stops, including Elmhurst, Allegheny, and, and then most recently Western Michigan. And uh, you certainly have learned a lot and developed along the way. When you look back at your progression as a coach, your evolution as a coach, and some of those early lessons, what what things did you learn early on when you look back that you say, wow, that really has become a part of who I am as a coach? You know, there's, there's been a ton. And I think the biggest thing is because I've, I've been around so many great coaches, so many great people in general, it's really helped me just open my mind to new ideas. You know, as a young guy, I think I might've been a little bit rigid. I might've been like, this is the way, you know, this is the way to go. This is the only way to go. And as I got around so many great coaches and so many great people, it opened my mind to new ideas, to different thoughts, different ways of doing things, and understanding that there isn't just one way. You know, the championship road has a bunch of different paths you can take. It's just a matter of, you know, choosing that path, staying on that path. But then when a new year comes and you get a new group of kids, it could be a different path. 
You just got to see what's best for the team as a whole, what's best for the coaching staff. But just being open to those new ideas, I think, has been the biggest thing I've learned from all the different stops I've taken and all the different systems I've been in. Learning the game is much like going to college, except there's really no set curriculum for you early on. What would you say would be your quote-unquote major and and then minor in the game in, in some of your first years as a coach? Well, coming out of college at first, I mean, I played receiver. And when I went back, my actually my mentor at the high school level gave me a job but said, hey, I'm going to make you a defensive guy. I made me the defensive coordinator at, the, at Barrington High School. And so – after that, learning how the defense works, those types of things, then uh, Tim Lester gave me an opportunity at the college level. And with him, it was about zone and play action pass and, and boot. And that's really what I felt like, and I still feel like I major in, is, is what I really enjoy doing. Outside zone or mid zone, the old Terrell Davis, uh, Denver Bronco offense of the, uh, you know, the 90s. I'd say that's what I, what I tend to major in with, uh, you know, open to as many minors as, as anybody wants to teach me. <laughs> well, and you've had some of those minors as, as we were talking before we hit record here. There's definitely been some different flavors to your offense and different influences. And at one point you were run, running uh, the triple option uh, this past year. You know, you stepped into a program that had been air raid and, and definitely had an air raid flavor to it. So talk to us a little bit about learning those different systems and how you've gone about adapting yourself to those situations. Yeah. And, you know, it goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, what is, what's the team makeup? You know, what's the coaching makeup? What, what can we do well together? And, you know, when I was at Allegheny after my first season, a new head coach was hired for the second as the first head coach retired. And in that second season, coach Hammer came in and, and he said, Hey, you know, where are we good? Where are we bad? And he knew because he was a defensive coordinator in the league. But we talked about, you know, struggling on the offensive line up front. What can we do to uh, to change, you know, or to help those guys up front? And the answer was the, the pistol triple offense or triple action. I'm sorry. And we got into the uh, triple and, and it was <laughs> kind of like a finals week for the whole year moving up to the next system or next season, trying to learn that system, trying to get comfortable with it being able to not only learn it, but teach it, because that's another thing I think is important is, is you could know all the information in the world about a system, but if you can't teach it and you can't express, you know, those ideas so that your players understand, it doesn't matter how much you know. So, you know, being able to teach it to the guys, you know, it was, there were some bumps and bruises. And at the end of the day, you know, we, we did the best we could with it and had some fun. And I think the kids, uh, you know, understood it. We had a young group, but we had a great group and again, a great group of kids and a great group of coaches and, and had some fun. But then right after that, I ended up going back with uh, coach Lester to uh, Western Michigan when he got the job, was there for a few years and then back to, you know, the zone and boot play action, some good, some three steps some five step and getting back the opportunity here. Uh, when I received, when I got this job from coach Wilkerson, he looked at me and said, Hey, we've been an air raid team. I definitely want you to bring your flair, but I don't necessarily want to change the language. So learning the air raid language, learning some of the principles of the air raid, didn't have a great opportunity to learn as much about the air raid as possible because I got here to U Chicago a week before the players reported in August. So tried to soak up as much information as I could, you know, learn as much about their terminology, their language, and kind of implemented some of my flair to it as we went. So we had some air raid stuff in this, you know, this season along with, you know, some 
good zone play action boot, all that good stuff that, uh, that I've run in the past. Thinking of my own experiences and thinking back on it, you know, I started in, I think my first high school job, we were in an option based offense. And then I was in a wing T program. Uh, I know at one point, running a little bit of, of something that was more West Coast, eventually got into the zone offense, somewhere in there, learned the fly or, or jet sweep offense as well. So you start to get all these experiences. And I think as you you step away, you start to understand better your role as a coach in teaching things because you had to learn it as well. So, you know, especially for you, that, that thing you were least familiar with was the, the pistol triple, you know, stepping back from that experience, how did that help you progress as a coach and a teacher of the game? I, I think it did a couple things. And, and first, it, it, it kind of expanded my knowledge. Okay, how can this pistol triple work with some of the stuff I current, like I've majored in, so to speak? How can my minor kind of feed into my major? And, you know, in the past, I did a little zone with a triple, you know, guy coming around and adding a little triple flare to the zone and the zone read option type offense. It's just one of those things where I think as you get going, as you learn something new, how can I make that a part of me? And it's almost like going to a clinic. If you can take one thing away from somebody's talk at a clinic, you know, you've made yourself better. Well, I went a whole season with this pistol triple. If I can take a couple things away from this that I can add to the hodgepodge of things I love to do, you know, it was, it, it becomes worth it. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's the important part in terms of when you get these new ideas and you change things and you manipulate things, how can I always take a piece of that with me? I agree with you 100%. And I look, look to some of the things I evolved to. Uh, there always seemed to be some of that misdirection type of stuff that I learned by coaching the wing tee, right? It kind of, even though I was not a wing tee coach anymore. And, you know, I remember one coach uh, at the time telling me they were, they were taking away my uh, – my wing T card. And I said, that's okay. <laughs> um, but, but you know, you, you still have those influences. So you said, you know, some things you learned from it that you took along with you, what would be those things that, that kind of have stuck with you f- with the uh, pistol triple? Probably the best one is the headaches it gives defensive coordinators week to week when they're trying to prepare for a triple option offense. You know, if, if there is, if you can add just a little bit of a triple option to whatever you do, that's something that those guys hate to prepare for. Because even if you run it a couple times, they've got to be ready for it. Because if they're not, you're just going to run it over and over and over. And then, you know, how are they going to, I guess, combat that? You know, how are they going to try to defend that? What are their adjustments? And then knowing, okay, here are the adjustments they're going to make. What can I do then to build a block off of my option formation to where I can take advantage of some of the things that those guys are going to do? But whenever you can give a defensive coordinator a headache about something you could possibly come out in, that's something to, to build off of. Because I know our guys, every, we had one triple option team that they had to prepare for this year. And luckily, it was right after the bye week we played them. But, I mean, they were getting gray hairs and headaches, and they didn't get much sleep that week. So adding a little bit of a piece of that into uh, you know, what you do all the time is a great thing. You know? And then being able to read linemen. I mean, shoot. We read linemen right now in the, in the zone RPO stuff, but it's not just the ends anymore. You know, being able to, to read, you know, the three technique or a shade in some of that midline option offense type stuff. I mean, those, those things are great when you're trying to teach a quarterback, hey, here's what you're looking for. 
in your read and here's what he could do and just adapting, you know, some of the things we do with our, our regular offense in terms of, Hey, here are the, um, you know, here are the tools I have for you in terms of being able to read guys. In stepping into your current position at U Chicago, uh, you inherited a team that was air raid based. And, and one of the things that was asked of you was uh, to find a way to adapt that terminology, which I think is a very sound principle when, when you are bringing somebody in. I've, I've experienced that before, and I've kind of take the same approach. Like, I don't want to turn, you know, 75 guys into uh, freshmen when it could be one guy learning versus everybody learning. And you took that approach. How important is that in being able to get things going? And, and obviously it paid off because you guys you know, had a, a, a uh, top-performing offense in the country this year. It was one of those things as I was going through the, uh, the interview process that I knew was part of the deal. And I was great with it. I mean, I think one guy being uncomfortable with the language and having to learn something new and maybe at times getting things lost in translation is better than the other 55 guys you have in the room uh, having to learn something new. Allow them to be comfortable. They're already uncomfortable because they've got a new coach standing in front of them and not quite sure what to expect. The more we can kind of balance the comfortable and the uncomfortable, I think the quicker we can become closer, the quicker we can build relationships, and therefore the quicker we can mesh and mold and be better on the field. You know, I want to make these guys extremely uncomfortable during practice, but in learning the offense and getting, you know, getting that base knowledge, I want them to be comfortable in the classroom so that they can take notes. They feel good about what they're seeing and what, what we're talking about. And then when we get onto the field, you know, the bullets are flying and, you know, people are, you know, coming at them full speed. Well, yeah, let's, let's make them uncomfortable there on the field, but getting to the field, let's be as comfortable as possible. So for me to be uncomfortable in the classroom with the language and things like that, I thought was important as opposed to those players having that, uh, being in that situation. So any coach can take the terminology and, and adapt it, but what's going to be unique to them is the philosophy they bring and how they think about offense. So for you, What's the philosophy that you brought to you, Chicago? Man, there's a, there's a lot of philosophies that I that I uh, I build around, you know, and it's it's going to be different, I think, for for every situation. But overall, I mean, I wanted to be multiple, but I wanted to be simple. Basically, I want defenses to see a lot, but for us, hey, this is really easy. This is a one word change, or this is a one personnel change. I want to pound the rock. I think running the ball is important. I was a receiver in college. But I'll tell you what, there's nothing more disheartening, I think, to a defense when they can't stop the run. And then pounding the rock also has that mentality of, I'm going to be tougher than you. I'm going to be more physical than you. And then I wanted to stress and stretch the field a little bit, vertically, horizontally. And then when it comes down to it, I want to be good at the details. You know, one of the things I, I pride myself on after this season is we were number one in the country in third down conversions. And... That's a detail. You know, the, those third downs are detail-oriented. You know, another thing, taking care of the football and making sure our playmakers are in the right position to make plays, no matter what offense you're in. And that's why, you know, I guess you change different offenses to what you do because you find out who your playmakers are and then what's the best way to get them the ball. And then kind of like what I said earlier about uh, third down, though, just situations, red zone, third down, end of game, two-minute, all those types of things. So that's just kind of my overall offensive philosophy that uh, I tried to bring, you know, to this unit generally. And then within that, have a few different things just depending upon where we're good, 
what I think needs to be stressed for that year. Before we got going, you share with me the importance to you to be able to control the game. And, you know, when I asked about procedurally what you guys do, you said we're the slowest no huddle team in America. But, you know, the, the uh, all kidding aside, it was about controlling the game, ball control. And you guys ran the ball very effectively. You, you had some uh, record setting performances in in rushing this year. And part of being able to convert on third down is that you're pretty good on the two downs before that. And a lot of time that's because you can establish the run. So talk to us a little bit about the importance of taking care of the football and controlling the game for you. Why is that so important? I think in life, you know, most people want control, you know, control of, I mean, I'm big when I'm driving with my family, I've got the wheel. You know, I don't think my wife's a bad driver, but I like controlling the wheel. I like to have that control because I think it puts you again in the driver's seat. So being able to run the football, we can control the clock a little bit more. Being the slowest, you know, no huddle team in America, again, we control the clock. Good complimentary football, keep our defense off the field, allow them, you know, less opportunities to score the football, giving us just more time with it. Yeah, I I, I think in, in terms of, just ball control and running the football or, you know, little dink and dunk passes that basically keep you ahead of the sticks, put you in good position, like you said, with the first two downs before third. And then obviously you're going to have to take your shots when you, when you have some opportunities. I think part of controlling the football too is you can lull some defenses to sleep. You know, guys are sitting there and, and they're seeing the run and maybe those DBs, you know, they don't, they don't want to go in there necessarily all the time and tackle, but some of the safeties come down and have to. They say, shoot. Coach is yelling at me because I'm making a tackle at eight yards. I'm going to have to get down there and try to make it at five. Well, you see that start to happen. You slip a guy past him, and, you know, we're, we're playing the school fight song. So those are the kind of things I think when you're controlling the football and, and you're taking care of it and you can run the football well, it opens up some things and gives you control of the football game and gives your, gives your players control of the football game. You know, and, and speaking of control, I'm, I'm with my quarterback especially. I am not a big fan at least personally of all right check with me on every play and part of that is I want the quarterback to feel like he has control of the offense on the field I want him to feel like this is his offense I don't want him thinking he has to check with me all the time now coming into a new team this year early in the season we did a little bit more of the okay I'm going to have control you know let's look at a play if you you know when we get out of this I want you to look at me before we go back but by the end of the season the quarterback had the reins he was making the checks and you could just see the confidence in him grow uh, because he had control. So again, when it comes down to it, time of possession, running the football, controlling the game, I think is just huge for, if anything, mentally your football team and your offense. And you see the results of that and how it really becomes complimentary because your defense was number four in the country and held teams to 203.8 yards per game and we'll be talking hopefully with your defensive coordinator here down the line but the thing when you look at the numbers you put up it's not because you always ground it out you know having an offense that can control the ball and run starts to open up those explosive opportunities where you guys are putting up those big yards over 500 yards a game over 40 points a game Uh, talk to us a little bit about creating explosives then the RPO game almost naturally creates some explosives too. And, and I thought our quarterback, you know, did a really good job of being able to read the box. I'm all about the kiss principle. Keep it simple, stupid. And I'm su- I'm the stupid one. I got to make sure I keep it simple constantly for these guys. And literally 
he's just counting the box. I mean, how many guys do we have blocking? We're typically an 11 personnel team. We've got 11, 11 guys up there. They've got 11 guys in the box. There's nothing to read. Hand the football off. Let our guys get a hat on a hat. And let's roll. If they start to, you know, put a seventh in there, okay, let's read them. Is he attacking or is he backing out or is he just sitting there? You know, let's read him and figure it out. If all of a sudden there's eight guys in the box, okay, now what do we got to do? We got to pull the football and we got to throw it. And, you know, that's, I guess, just inherent. You're going you're gonna to create some explosives because the defense can't always be right. They might make a play and they might have one of their guys, you know, come off a block and, 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 and get something done. But at the end of the day, we're going to create explosive plays because we're just going to keep things simple. We're going to look at what they're giving us and we're going to take advantage. I am not all for if our offense is a square peg and their defense is a round hole, we're going to, we got to stay the way we are. We have to adjust. We have to take what they're going to give us and we have to understand what they're going to give us. Part of the teaching leading up into uh, in the game week is really seeing, okay, what do their boxes look like? What are, what are the, you know, what are we expecting? And then, talking about what adjustments could they make? Where are the adjustments going to come from? That's why we're calling this place so we can read this guy. That's why we're calling this place so we can read, you know, that DB instead because he's the one that's going to add into the box. And I think that has to do, you know, with, with how we were able to get some of the explosive plays this year is we just had an idea of where their adjustments were going to be, what guys were going to add into the box, and then we got to put a guy in that, in that vacant hole. In looking at – the third down, you guys were number one in the country, 56.6% conversion rate on third down. When you look at you know, what you did this past year on third, what things would you attribute to that success, whether it be you know, game planning, the plays you called, the way you practiced it, what things made you guys successful on third down? First and foremost, it's the players. Their ability to execute, but at the end of the day, their ability to not panic. I, I think probably one of the most undercoached things is trying to make sure that guys are comfortable. You want them uncomfortable. You want to consistently try to make things uncomfortable for them, but that's teaching them to be comfortable in those situations. There was never, I felt, a situation this year that our guys got into, whether it was two-minute, being down, being up, where the moment was too big for them because you try to consistently coach those things in practice. Third down was, was another one. You know, we consistently coach it in practice. Obviously, everybody has their, you know, their third down um, team periods and scripts. But our guys were all comfortable with everything we were doing. So when they got out there, they were confident we were going to get the first down. It was almost like, a, oh, my gosh, we didn't get that if we did get stopped. And, you know, at, at one point in the season, I think we were, we were above 60%. And that, you know, we struggled the last game of the season where I think maybe we, uh, we were pressing a little bit and I didn't prepare them as well you know, for, uh, for that last game. But at the end of the day, it was them being comfortable with the game plan and executing because they were comfortable with everything that I was asking them to do. You guys were good in the, in the red zone as well. Number eight in the country, 88.9% scoring. I know a, a pretty high percentage of those were touchdowns as well. And that's a difference for a lot of teams being able to score touchdowns in that area as compared to having to settle for three points. So um, for you, in, in looking at that area, again, what's the approach you, you feel that you guys take that makes you successful down there? Back when, uh, when I was at Elmhurst, Coach Lester uh, actually talked with, uh, I believe it was Coach Uremovich, who was at Northern Illinois at the time, who's now the uh, head coach of my alma mater, Butler. And uh, he talked about the stats that are most important 
to any team who win a football game, and there were two touchdowns and turnovers. At the end of the day, when I talk to our offense, I don't have a bunch of goal boards with a bunch of yardage. We got to run for this. We got to pass for this. I talk about touchdowns and turnovers, and where where we need to be uh, successful in those two categories. And if we are, going to take care of itself. And you know, it's not field goals. Field goals are part of it. You know, we've got to be assertive. We got to get down there, and when we get down there, we got to punch the ball in the end zone. That's the difference in the games. You know, if you look at sounds of turnovers and as this was going on i was doing uh, i was doing a masters and doing a statistical analysis of it if you are in terms of uh, the touchdown turnovers plus two or higher these you win 90 something percent of the games you know the old statistic that i always heard tossed around was if you block a punt you'll win 85 percent of the games or something along those lines i don't know what it is but if you are plus two in the touchdowns and turnovers, meaning, you know, you get a touchdown, it's plus one, you give up a ball, it's minus one, then you're going to win 90-some-odd percent of your games. And uh, it was unbelievable just how focused our guys can get on the end zone. This is where we need to be. If we want to win the game, this is the line. This is the finish line. And I think it's a mentality that our, uh, you know, our offense really took to got excited about coach Wilkerson has always been huge on the turnover ratio. It's, it's one of the things he hangs his hat on here at U Chicago. And so him and I got along great when it came down to, the, to this philosophy. And, you know, I think that had to do with our zone successes. They knew the goal, you know, the goal wasn't to get there. The goal is to cross the line. When you take those situations, third down at red zone in, in practice, what's your approach and how much work do you get? Also, when in the week do you work those things? So if, if you know, I guess typical teams get, uh, get three days, probably two fully padded, one pro pads or shells, whatever you want to call it. So that's usually a Wednesday thing. Wednesday we'll hit a team period with third down. We'll do a little bit of red zone as well. Red zone will probably be a little bit more Thursday, you know, with um, – with a team period and maybe a seven on seven, but Wednesdays where we hammer out third down team and third down seven on seven. So our skelly will be built around seven on seven as well. And then from just the game planning perspective, and you look at it, how much do you carry in that, those sections of your call sheet? And I guess the organization of it too, people organize those in different ways, but what does it look like for Mm -hmm. you actually on the call sheet? So the front of my call sheet is all what I consider run situation or first and 10, second and medium to short, the back is going to be my situational. So I'm going to have a red zone column that's broken up into different areas of the red zone. I'm going to have a third down column that's broken up into different third and short, third and, um, third and medium, third and long, maybe specialty plays that uh, I can run either in third down or the red zone. And then I have, I have a column for certain guys that okay, hey, in certain situations, I need to get this guy the ball. What's the best way to try to do it? Where the defense shows I can get him the ball better. And then I have a column for my playmakers and what plays I can call to get them the ball. So that's kind of how I divide my call sheet and, and um, you know, change that around. But from a game plan perspective, probably the Sunday into Monday morning and even Monday afternoon, I'm probably just hammering the run sit because realistically that's, you know, 70% of your calls are, are going to be, you know, first and 10, second and medium to, to short. 
And then I'll get into a little bit, I'll get more into the, uh, the third down stuff. If there can be some carryover, love it. I would love there to be some carryover because it's just repping another play, you know, that we've been repping all week again. So the more consistency I can find in some of those things, the better as well. When you look at what you do as an offensive coordinator, you, you've mentioned being influenced and mentored by a lot of different people along the way. But you know, as you've evolved, what would you say is, is the one thing you do that you feel is truly unique to you and your, whether it's your approach or a practice period or the way you go about game planning, any of those things, uh, what, what do you feel is unique to you as an offensive coordinator? Man, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I really believe everybody's unique in their, in their very own way. I guess what I try to do, and I, I, I don't know if it's unique. I think a lot of guys try to do this, but I really try to just have a great personal relationship with as many guys on the offense, on the team as humanly possible. You know, I go by the philosophy the kids don't care how much you know if they don't know how much you care. And, you know, I, I want to coach them hard. And I think the only way they can do that is if they know I love them hard. So at the end of the day, I mean, I'll, when I'm out there, I'll be doing my X's and O's and all that good stuff. But if I can bring a piece of their personal life onto the field and, and, and say, hey, this is no different than that final you just, you, you know, you just had where you were studying for this, but it didn't quite go the right way. How could you change that? Why don't we study out this defense a little bit more like that? Or just bring something that they understand, hey, I am all over your tail right now, but I know you care about me. Something along those lines, I think is, I don't know, again, if it's unique to me, but it's something that I like to do. I like to make sure these guys understand this isn't just about the pigskin. You know, this is about how, you know, life is incorporated into this. Um, I can tell you right now, there was a great uh, moment I had on the field this year in a game where the quarterback didn't necessarily agree with the call that I was making or the call that, you know, our head coach was making for the situation. And he comes walking off the field. And I could see he was upset. And I look at him and I go, hey, look, you're going to get it because he was a senior. I go, you're going to get a job. And he, you're not going to agree with every single thing that your boss is going to want to do. Guess what? You're going to have to bite the bullet sometimes and be a company man because I don't want you getting fired. I go, you got to learn right now. That's how it's going to be. And we can't, you know, we can't be demonstrative. We can't say anything. We're just going to have to bite the bullet. And he looked at me. He understood it wholeheartedly. And he's like, okay, I got you, coach. And walked over to the bench. You know, things like that is something that I like to try to do with, uh, with the guys as much as possible. Coach, when you look at all the things you do as a coach on or off the field, on offense, just in coaching in general, whatever it might be, what's the one thing you'd point to that really gives your guys the winning edge? I mean, shoot, at UChicago, we've got some of the smartest guys in the country. I mean, hands down, having to recruit for this school and seeing some of the ACTs, SATs, GPAs that they need, we're not going to have the most talented, strongest uh, individuals. But these guys are smart. But again, at the end of the day, doesn't matter. They're not going to use their talents to the best of their abilities until they know they're part of something bigger than themselves. So being able to be part of the brotherhood that we have here and the brotherhood that we're still continuing to establish, understanding that this isn't about an offense. This is about a group of guys trying to do something special together. I think that's the edge. When you have a group, that thinks that they as a group can do whatever they can because they care for one another. 
I think that means more than maybe a bunch of guys that have a ton of talent but are out there for themselves. For our listeners, what's the best way they can connect with you if they want to learn more about what you do or maybe even have a guy for you? Yeah, I mean, by all means, follow me on Twitter. You know, shoot me an email. My email is real easy. It's Kay Derrickson, just my name, at uchicago.edu. Yeah, I'm always excited to talk ball and talk recruiting, whatever it may be. I mean, that's why I got into this business. This is, this is a lot of fun. Being able to connect with people and establish new relationships, uh, that's what this whole, uh, whole profession is all about. So uh, excited to, uh, to talk to anybody, you know, looking for more information about, you know, our offense, UChicago, or, you know, just wants to, uh, you know, chat a little bit about some, uh, some of the stuff. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time and sharing with us here on the podcast, and best of luck to you and the Maroons in 2022. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.